This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Vanessa on from Atrium, and our topic is how staffing firms use HR and TA technology. Kind of a peek behind the veil. It's kind of a really, really, this is going to be a fun show because a lot of people are curious about how staffing and RPOs, how they use technology. So I can't wait for Vanessa to kind of break things down and explain things to us. So Vanessa, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Atrium? Absolutely. Uh, pleasure to be here and thank you so much for, for having me on. So I am Vanessa Miller. I'm VP of Talent Technology here at Atrium. Uh, a little bit about Atrium and who we are. Uh, we're founded in 1995. We're a woman-owned workforce solutions company. Um, so we're a bit of 360 talent solutions have two sides um, of our business, our traditional staffing agency, um, which is multi-vertical, admin, HR, finance and accounting, creative. Um, We have a really good niche in life sciences, IT and real estate as well. Um, So national staffing firm um, and then the Atrium Works side of the business, we focus on contingent workforce solutions. So all the, the awesome HR um, offering acronyms, uh, employer of record payroll, um, agent of record, IC compliance, RPO, MSP, direct sourcing. And last but not least, we also do talent technology consulting. Oh, that's so, cool. Do you all, do you all handle uh, compliance in there as well? Absolutely. Independent yeah. contractor compliance, worker classifications. That, yep, absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. So the talent technology part yes. of which you are central Vanessa, you got it. <laughs> um, what is what's it what's it like behind the the veil? Like, what do you what do y'all use? And then when you're, you know, we'll unpack that. And then what do you advise when you're talking to clients? Like, how do you take them through a process of understanding what they need and giving them good recommendations? Yeah, absolutely, great question. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm hoping that my goal of this podcast, if I can kind of demystify, you know, the 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 technology, what's behind the the staffing tech curtain. Um, hopefully, I'll succeed here. But to answer the first part of, of your question, uh, what Atrium uses? So it's um, it's a complex ecosystem, especially because we have those two very distinct um, divisions or or sides of our businesses. And then of course, our amazing operations kind of shared services team, that's the glue and and keeping it all together, really the the engine behind it all. Um, So as far as I'll start on the staffing side. So of course, every every staffing agency, you know, you have your applicant tracking system, your candidate relationship management system, your customer relationship management system. So your ATS and CRM, where that CRM, that C can mean two different things. Um, at Atrium, luckily, we have one technology that does all three. Um, and the, I think the the toughest part of, of, com- of kind of confirming your tech ecosystem or your tech stack is getting that foundational technology. Um, there are obviously 
you know, certain platforms that are really, really good in some areas where it might be AI and the candidate experience and other ones that are better in back office, middle office, um, you know, timesheet invoices, et cetera. So it's tough to find a jack of all trades, if you will. So when we vet our own technology and this kind of peers into advice that we give when we're consulting for our clients as well as you know, do your own really good due diligence of what you really need internally, what what problem you're trying to solve. We always say we define that problem statement first. Um, and then you're going to have your legacy technologies. You got to decide what you're willing to move, get rid of, how much you're, you know, what you're willing to spend, what your budget is and, and what's most important. But the I would say on the staffing side, the foundational tech is certainly your ATS and your CRM. And then sometimes that will be the same system that your back office team uses to, you know, to get folks paid. Again, those timesheets generate invoices so Atrium can get paid, but then also uh, paying our suppliers, et cetera. Um, so yeah, ATS CRM, and then luckily our, that's our timesheet technology as well. Um, but then we have extras on top of it. We have some um, chatbot, artificial intelligence. Um, we use that actually technology called Sense on top of our CRM um, to do some candidate automation for us. And we're really particular about what um, pieces of the process we're okay with AI and a bot doing for us to make our recruiters more efficient and don't want to um, disrupt any of the pieces of the process that really re require human interaction. Um, at Atrium, actually, our, our Rebecca Chenny Leventhal founded us with an applicant-centric philosophy. We've actually trademarked that term. And flash kind of fast forward to today, that's it, we're really human-centric, applicant-centric, human-centric. And we wanna, we really don't want to lose the human element in a lot of what we offer. Um, but relating that back to a technology you know, um, solution or from the tech ecosystem. We still want to, you know, use artificial intelligence and, and make sure those those low value activities um, we can use a bot for or um, or artificial intelligence to, to make us more efficient. Um, so we have some, you know, automation layers on top of the, the CRM and then also some extras uh, to keep keep the back office running as well. Um, and then kind of flipping over, coming to the other side to Atrium Works um, or Atrium Contingent Workforce Solutions. Um, we use uh, a different technology to uh, to art to provide our main offering, which is employer of record payrolling. Um, so that's you know a major kind of back office system, but has a lot of front office elements as well. Uh, so we're doing onboarding all day, every day. So that onboarding candidate experience is really important. Um, so we've rebranded the technology we use um, as eOffice. Um, so all of our uh, associates or payrollees, if you will, log into that system and are really um, keen to make sure that that's a very efficient process and that the onboarding is quick. Um, and then, you know, quickly kind of flip flip to get the assignment rolling, um, you know, into timesheets and, and of course, getting them paid, which is <laughs> the most important part when you're offering employer record payroll solutions. Um, for the most part, I would say we do license um, most of the technology that we use. However, there are times where we have developed our own technologies, uh, whether it be for internal reasons or to um, provide our offerings to our clients, um, which kind of leads into you were asking about compliance. Um, in that scenario, we do have our own proprietary 
uh, independent contractor compliance tool. It's called Engagent. Um, so we built that from the ground up and we use that both internally and to um, service our um, AOR IC compliance offering um, to our client base on the Atrium work side. So, you know, with all of, I could probably go on about our tech ecosystem. No, for a long and, and time, we will, but, and we will. I do um, want to unpack yeah. two things. Yeah, one, absolutely. With, with both you and with your clients. One is, yeah. is the line, the, you get the same questions I get, the line between where does the bot or technology mm -hmm. leave off and where does the technology or the human start? So what's that? Where's the line uh, where, and so people are confused as to where that line is or should be. Sure. Two is the stack of technology, how these technologies kind of are put together from sourcing, recruitment, marketing, employer branding, yep. you know, all the way across. How do they fit? So I get, I get those two questions a lot. One okay. is, is like, where does one leave off and the other start mm, confusion? The other is, is I don't know how all these puzzle pieces fit together. How should they fit together? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll answer the um, the automation where that kind of starts and ends. So um, if you look at the whole like, entire life cycle of, of the, the staffing tech process, I'll start with, um, you know, doing the candidate sourcing first. You, you, you receive a job order from a client or you have your evergreen roles that you're constantly recruiting for. Um, you know, direct marketing your candidates to your clients for. But in that um, original sourcing aspect, um, there are certainly efficiencies that different tools will give you. LinkedIn Recruiter, you're looking at, you know, Indeed Indeed uh, databases, other resume databases. Um, I would say within those types of technologies, and if you have a good CRM, that it'll help with this as well. Um, your CRM might have those external sourcing capabilities um, where it can tap into the LinkedIn database, the Indeed resume database, if you've signed up for that service, and you can search for that talent, source that talent right within your CRM. If you're lucky enough to have one of those systems and it does it well, <laughs> um, there's always a, the key part, always looks good on a demo, but actually seeing it in action after you've bought um, is, is the other win. But um, the their scoring inside your system. So ideal world is that you have your requisition or your job description and you can not only ask the, the CRM to search applicants, but search the greater database in your CRM. But then also if you're not satisfied with, with those candidates and you need to go further, cast your net further, it'll source um, those extra external databases for you. And then the, the, the AI part is the scoring. Um, so a little bit of human in there mixed with the the AI because there's no way you know human could look at that many resumes at one time and, and score it obviously from as usually a zero to a hundred. So at least that takes that extra time off that recruiter so that the you know the higher scoring folks are at the top of the list. So your the hope is that the recruiter only has to go through 50 resumes as opposed to 200 and that the, the best ones are at the top. Um, so that's a little bit of a mix. I would say once you've I you know identify it's a um, scheduling and in scheduling interviews and um, kind of executing those interviews again that's where automation would kick in to do the scheduling like that's not a task that you know human has to do it's probably quicker and better if a bot does it um, less room for error um, but to schedule with the candidate um, whether you're um, you know using again like a CRM technology or a calendly mixed with a bot to get that appointment on the calendar 
Um, but then the actual phone screen interview, again, human enters there. And then from there, if the phone screen goes well, and that's again, where I don't, you know, you can't, can't have a bot do that part. Um, or I know some staffing agencies agencies do, but for us, that initial conversation is, is human and important to us. Um, from there, it's again, scheduling with the next folks down the line, whether it's your client or your internal hiring managers that um, need to get on the phone as an example. Um, then the other piece coming into you know, interviews go well, offer stage. Again, it's more the, um, the creation of that offer letter getting that sent out, you always want that human review, of course. Um, but coming in, you know, once that, once that uh, candidate is hired, we do a lot of contingent labor. So getting them onboarded and then getting um, their timesheet ready. Um, again, the, the onboarding piece, that's where automation comes back into the fold is, you know, um, getting them um, their first day information notes. So they know where to go to access their timesheet, get their pay stub, um, access any HR, you know, benefit documents, get them enrolled in benefits, um, a little bit of automation there. Um, but again, if, if a candidate needs help any step of the way, that's where, you know, we're, we're there, pick up the phone. And that, that's the human element that we don't want to take away from the process. We want to make sure the candidate is, is looked after and, and, you know, feels valued. So um, on, the, on the candidates, real quickly, yeah. on the candidate side, um, and as it relates to technology, you know, when, when a staffing firm works, works with, because I've always understood it as we, you deliver candidates, you know, uh, at sure. least a slate of candidates, right? Do you need to, do you, do you usually do that in their technology? Like if they have uh, Bullhorn, uh, let's say, or iSims, pick somebody, it doesn't really matter. Sure. Do you deliver them in their technology or do you deliver them, in, like how do you deliver, how do you deliver candidates to clients? Yeah, really good question. I'll answer that for our, our staffing side and a little bit peering into our MSP solutions for, for Atrium Work. So on, on the staffing side, um, that is part of our kind of cl client orientation. We will um, ask if there is a, you know, a certain way. Typically, it's um, we're sending the slate via email unless there's a vendor management system in place or a VMS. Um, or sometimes um, work if, if the client has the workday recruiting applicant tracking system, as an example, there is an agency portal of that tech. So that's where, you know, during that client orientation, uh, you know, after the contract is signed, that's where we would get those credentials to submit the candidate slates um, there. Um, but if, if they don't have a VMS in place or um, an ATS with an agency portal, it's email. Um, and what, what we do in addition to, we will never just send a resume over and just say, hey, let me know what you think. There's always a, an executive summary of that candidate. Um, and, you, and what we like to also do is also send a video resume with that candidate too. If they did record one, we, do, we have a, a mobile video resume uh, recording offering. So always encourage our candidates to do the video because their resume is going to take care of the hard skills, um, but the soft skills will obviously come across with the video resume where they may look at the paper resume, be hesitant and see the video resume and say, oh yeah, I definitely got to talk to this person. Um, so the, between you know, the paper resume, the executive summary or blurb as we call it, um, and then hopefully with uh, some, the video on top of it, um, it's usually pretty good. And what's, um, What's nice about if you know an email, obviously we can get those over in VMS. There's sometimes some limitations, but I would say the um, 
vendor management system that might be in place, like a vector VMS, beeline, field glass, et cetera. We may be limited to the amount that we can submit. There's usually a, a limit of maybe one to five as an example. Um, so I'd say either email uh, or VMS um, or an applicant tracking system. Um, not usually a bullhorn, um, it's obviously more of the staffing side technology, but I will say CRMs like Bullhorn, eRecruit, et cetera, there are ways to automate that process so that the recruiters aren't just opening Outlook. Um, but right. from the from the client purview, it just looks like an email. But on our side, if you you know you have that automation in place, sometimes complemented by sense in our um, in our um, in our case to just make it again. We're always just looking for ways to have less clicks for our recruiters and keep their lives uh, keep their process more efficient, so they can make more fills and stay happy and keep our clients happy. Well, what I love about that is you're thinking about the candidate experience, the recruiter experience, the hiring manager, or the client experience as well so what makes everyone's life uh, a little bit better on the uh, on the selection side the advice that you uh, you give clients on that side if they were starting with nothing like say they were working with office uh, Microsoft office mm-hmm. you know, displacing sure. Excel which yeah. shocking not shocking happens with, <laughs> with with a lot of folks what do y'all do you have kind of a go-to like okay this is the this if we're building it from scratch, okay. Here's here's what, and and the reason I'm asking this question is, the next question is going to be when you deal with limited budget, yep. What's going to be kind of what is the you got to anchor everything around this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're and you're speaking when I when our talent technology mm-hmm. team is consulting on that's right. Like we need to just we, we need a system to yeah. to start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really good question. Um. We always start with that rec- kind of consultative discovery requirement gathering session. So in the example you gave where they really have a, a blank slate, uh, I can equate that to a, we, we, Atrium Works. We speak to a lot of experiential marketing, um, creative agencies um, as an example. And they're, you know, maybe small, um, you know, at first and they, they are engaging freelancers, um, whether W two freelancer freelancers or independent contractor ten ninety nines, and they're at the bubble where they have um, enough freelancers where you know they're they're needing a system to manage those as an example. So we get the use case all the time. We have a spreadsheet, a Google sheet um, of you know the freelancers or the temp. Um, the contingent workforce um, folks that we've that we're using time and time again because they're great at what they do, and we you know don't have an organized way to let them know when more assignments are coming down, or we just want a big client, we're going to need help with different promotions, etc. Um, so we always have that discovery session to really understand um, if they'll share that you know current spreadsheet with us. That helps out a lot. Um, in that scenario, um, we're using. Uh, FMSs or freelance management systems quite a bit. So we partner with um, a solid three at the moment. And what's what's great about that is um, actually, I actually like that we don't own our own FMS because we get to look at each unique use case and recommend the right technology um, for those customers. Um, so once we do that discovery session and find out the pain points, we want to make sure we're being inclusive and meeting with various folks at that company. Um, that's where we'll look to make the recommendation for, 
you know, the FMS in, in this example that I'm using. Um, but then to kind of loop in the second part of your question is budget. Um, what's again, what's really nice. So I, I have a rule of three um, that I need to have three solid technology partners in your arsenal. Um, and pricing is a huge reason. Um, our three FMS partners actually have vastly different um, pricing models. Um, some are a percentage of the, the markup of what you're paying this freelancer on an hourly rate, um, whether it's independent contractor or W-2. Um, others, it's user licenses, which is kind of similar to a lot of applicant tracking systems out there. It's based on recruiter seats or hiring manager seats. Um, sometimes pricing is based upon the amount of full-time employees you have in the organization. So if we hear that the budget is on the lower side or frankly that there is not budget and you kind of have to figure out how um, to fund the model so that the your client can get the technology they need, um, having those you know, those multiple options with the different pricing models has helped with us um, or, or helped our clients for sure um, in that scenario. I love that. That's the porridge approach. It's either too hot or too cold. Or just... <laughs> you got so, it. <laughs> so the uh, switching out technologies, the, mm -hmm. you've, you've seen a lot of this stuff happen in front of you and you've switched out some technologies yourself. So yes. um, what are some of the pitfalls that folks should be aware of? when switching out uh, different parts of their technology stack? Sure. Great question. Um, so when you're making the switch, I think, I think, sorry to keep going back to this, but my, my colleague, Allison Basilla will be proud if I keep mentioning defining the problem statement, but the thing to, to really confirm and ensure all stakeholders internally understand why you're going out shopping. Um, and I think a lot of times in, um, I think internally, and I see this externally as well, technology is kind of really easy party to blame when a process or when, when it's not going well. Um, you know, you have your people process technology and it's like, it's like technology seems to be the easiest one um, because um, kind of easy to, to post blame there. And not to say that, you know, there, there's a million reasons to change your tech, but to really make sure everyone, like I said, all the stakeholders are all in agreement for what the, the problem statement is for needing to replace that technology or support it with something else. So once you define that, you're gonna end up doing that with your requirement gathering sessions, your discovery sessions. And again, we do this internally, but then of course kind of peers into that, our, our, um, our consulting process as well. Um, so once you have that, um, that statement defined, um, then you can, um, you know, go out and, and try to, um, you have those requirements or that uh, grocery list, if you will, then you can go talk to, to partners and vendors to figure out what you need. Um, I, I would say you're, and then when you're, when you're vetting technology, kind of the analogy I like to use is that you have your, so you have your requirements or you have your grocery list. Um, you're going out to, a shopping plaza and you're there's so many categories of HR technology. I mean, we have we have over 23 partners in eight different HR technology categories. So it's just it's just an alphabet soup of, of HR technology, if you will. There's just acronyms upon acronyms. So it can get very confusing out there. And like I said, we like to try to help our clients demystify it all. So you know you're you're driving into this kind of HR tech plaza. We help our clients and and we Try to do this internally to point our, our stakeholders uh, internally to make sure that they're shopping at the right store. Um, 
is it an ATS that you need? Is it a CRM? Is it a VMS? Um, is it an, an HRIS? Is it, um, is it something like Workday that can kind of be all of those things? And which pieces you you want which pieces are are you okay or that you want everyone always wants to consolidate technology but it's it's tough to realize which which pieces can fit in one um in one consolidated technology because some parts of your process might be that important where it warrants a specialized tech that's integrated with that foundational technology as an example um so get into the, the plaza, get into the right market or, or storefront, if you will. And then you're you're in your kind of grocery store, you have your grocery list, uh, making sure you're in the right aisle for that, that right category of HR technology. Um, I would say, and kind of getting back to your original question there of when things to be mindful of when you're replacing the technology, keep in mind um, data migration, what data you want to take from the legacy system and bring over um, anything that you want to refresh from a data privacy standpoint, that's the time to do it. If there's a time to reach out to your population that's inside that technology, whether it's clients or candidates or both, um, that's also a really nice time to do it. Um, do a compliance check, get your privacy folks on the line um, just to make sure that your privacy um, tech uh, language that that those folks agree to maybe five six years ago when you first engaged them is still um, apparent today. Um, if you're going to take the if you're going to communicate to this this really valuable population, you know might just get every get the fine print in there along with the attractive attractive things. If you're launching like a, a really nice new database as an example, um, so data migration and ensuring that you take the right pieces into your new technology, and then. Um, the other two super important things are user acceptance testing and adoption. Um, I can't kind of um, understate how important user acceptance testing is um, to get all parties involved, get a few end users involved, because that will also help help with buy-in and then lead into adoption. They'll feel part of the project um, and also um, duels as training as well um, if they're doing that, that UAT. Um, so... UAT into training and then adoption. Um, if again, if that data migration went really well, your recruiters are going into that system and they have really nice data to rely on um, and they know it's accurate as well, um, that will help adoption. Um, and I'd say the last thing is, you know, make a splash about it. You know, you, you put so much effort into vetting and replacing a technology. It should be exciting. Um, the, your internal population, if you have external users too, get, get them excited about it, get your marketing team involved, have them do some socials, um, help you with those um, communications, not only for the training, training kind of boring stuff about the system, but get them excited and how, how is this going to improve their processes and um, improve their day to day uh, and, and make their lives more efficient. So creating that excitement will, will certainly help um, adoption and then um, check-ins after go live as well. Drops mic, walks off stage. Vanessa, <laughs> this has been absolutely amazing and chock full of all kinds of great advice. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. I had fun. Thank you. Well, good. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.